Today we're continuing our series called Experiencing the Presence of Jesus. Um, I was planning on ending uh, this series the last time I spoke two weeks ago, um, but we went on, uh, we had a pastoral staff retreat this, this uh, last week, and that's why I didn't preach last weekend, because um, we were up there, you know, I wasn't preparing a message, I was retreating. Um, but on that, on our staff retreat, um, I actually had a dream that I did at least one more message in this series, so I took that from the Lord that like, okay, I need to stay with this a little longer, there's something else the Lord wants me to emphasize or give in this series, and so I knew that was the case, so then I sat down with the Lord, I'm like, okay, Lord, I want you, uh, would you mind telling me what you want me to say, <laughs> you know, um, all I know is I'm supposed to stay in this a little longer, so um, I think I have, um, I might I have a message this week, and I might have one for next week as well. I'm tempted to put everything on pause uh, next week and talk a little bit about the current world events that we're, that we're seeing. Um, I'm tempted to go that direction. It's probably important that I do that, but um, I do at least want to give this message and maybe one more uh, next week. I have more to say about it, but uh, we're going to stay in it for today at least. Um, the question we have been asking in this series is, how do we experience the presence of the Lord in our hearts on a daily basis? How can we maintain that constant loving connection with the Lord? Again, the key word here is experience. Why? Because the reality of the situation is because your newborn spirit in Christ is in constant connection with the Lord. Okay, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, we've read this almost every week. It says this, the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. That is the Passion Translation, and actually, in this particular case, that is a very good translation of this, of this scripture. We are mingled into one spirit with Christ. Before you gave your life to Jesus, you were single and ready to mingle. But when you gave your life to Jesus, you were mingled into one spirit with Jesus, all right? You got to get creative so people remember things, okay? So, but here's the deal. If the, the picture is we have been woven together in Christ. We've been welded together in Christ. His spirit and your spirit have been mingled together. Where does his spirit end and yours begin? Uh, well, let me give you an example of that. If I have this bottle of water and it's half full of water, and I pour water into it, well, those molecules are going to be mixed together, aren't they? And you would have a, a, really an impossible time separating them again. That's the picture we have in our spirit with our relationship with the Lord. It, what an amazing, beautiful thing. Um, but uh, why is it, if that's, the, if that's the reality that we live in, why are there days, why are there seasons where it's like, Man, I'm just not feeling, I'm not experiencing the presence of God in my heart. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have that awareness. Now, we don't live by feelings, we live by faith, okay? So that's one thing. If you're not feeling it all the time, well, it's not a feel walk, it's a faith walk, amen? That's a good word for some of us. Um, feelings are good, they're not bad. God has emotions, um, but they're not supposed to lead us. However, there are things that we can intentionally do to um, bring us into that experiential relationship with Jesus every day. Um, Jesus didn't want to just save us so that we would um, never feel any of this. Like, emotions are supposed to be part of it. Feeling close to him and being exhilarated by a walk with God and God flowing through you is part of this deal. So that's what he's called us into. 
Um, so we're going to start in Matthew uh, 17 today. Um, I'm going to read the story here about the transfiguration of Jesus. Before we do that, go ahead and put up that picture of uh, Mount Tabor, if you have that. Okay, this is the place where it is believed. There, in Israel, there are some places where they know with absolute certainty something happened there. This is a place um, commonly believed, um, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus and disciples went up on the mountain. He was transfigured before them. And I just think it's amazing, like, in Israel, there, there's houses there. Can you imagine living in, like, just over the hill? Like, that's where the transfiguration happened, you know? Um, we, we know people in Israel, and they live, like, right next, or right near where Obed-Edom's house was, where the Ark of the Covenant was, stood for, you know, several years. That's kind of the reality of the situation over there. It's just pretty amazing. But that's, this is the setting uh, where the disciples went up on the mountain, and Jesus was transfigured before them. It says this, after six days, Jesus took with, with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. It's actually not that high, in my opinion. So, but I'm from Colorado, so it's steep, but it's not very high. Verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And the Gospel of Luke, which we'll look at here in just a minute, the Gospel of Luke says that his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. I mean, that's pretty intense, right? A flash of lightning. So, and this was um, at night because it says the disciples were sleeping in, in the Gospel of Luke. Okay. Um, then there appeared before them, verse 3, uh, Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Um, this is a good example of Peter being very Peter and talking when you don't know what to say. You know, like, there are situations you're in, you're like, I, have, I don't, I gotta say something because it's awkward right now. This is a good example of Peter being Peter and just saying the first thing that comes to his mind. Um, no one answers this question, by the way, but it's obvious that those shelters weren't needed. Um, Verse 5, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cl cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, with, uh, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone you, uh, what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Okay, pretty amazing experience, right? I would have loved I, all these stories. I would like, man, if I could have a front row seat to that, I would love it. Um, now, I have a question for you. Was the transfiguration of Jesus, when Jesus was transfigured, was this something that was happening for the very first time, or was this a glimpse of Jesus in his heavenly glory? Come on, you guys have more confidence than that. Someone try. Okay, here's the answer. Here's the answer. This was a revelation of who Jesus has always been from the, from, from the foundations of the world before the world began. This is a revelation of, of who Christ has always been. Jesus' appearance changes so a glimpse of his heavenly glory can be given to these disciples. <clears throat> um, now, the transfiguration of, of Jesus... Um, bookends basically his public ministry, okay? It's one and 
uh, of the bookend. The baptism of Jesus was the starting point of Jesus' public ministry, and the uh, transfiguration of Jesus was kind of the other end of his public ministry. Um, But I want you to, I just thought this was amazing. Um, I want you to see what the Father's affirmation of Jesus was at the beginning and the end of his public ministry. Um, The Father's affirmation of Jesus. And at the baptism of Jesus, this is what it says. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And the transfiguration of Jesus. This is my son, whom I loved. With him I am well pleased. And then he added one more thing. Listen to him. Okay? So... Almost the very same thing that he said at the baptism of the Father spoke over the baptism of Jesus is what he spoke at the transfiguration of Jesus. This is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. And he added one more thing. Peter, stop it and listen to him a little bit more, okay? Um, <clears throat> through this trans, uh, transfiguration experience, Peter, James, and John were given a glimpse of Jesus in his heavenly glory. Um, the Apostle John, um, in the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos, he has this vision the Apostle John got to see a glimpse of that heavenly glory once again. This is before John, of course, goes to heaven. Um, and you can read about that in Revelation uh, chapter 1. There's this heavenly picture of, of our heavenly bride, bridegroom, Jesus. His eyes are flames of fire. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty intense picture. And so, now, I want to show you this, the same account. We're going to look at it um, from the book of Luke, just to give a little bit, slightly different perspective. Luke 9, 29 and 30. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious uh, splendor, talking with Jesus. Now, uh, why Moses and Elijah? Of all the Old Testament prophets and and characters, why not not, um, Abraham, or why not King David, you know? Why Elijah and Moses. Well, we could, we could really dive into the symbolism of everything these two represented. Both of them had glorious mountaintop encounters. Um, you know, Moses went up on Mount Sinai. Actually, both of them had uh, glorious mountaintop encounters on Mount Sinai, both Elijah and Moses. Um, but here it is in a nutshell. This is why the two. Moses represents all of the law, all of the law that came. And Elijah represents all of the prophets, okay? Moses represents all the law and the 630-some-odd subsequent laws that were given in the Old Testament. Elijah represents all of the Old Testament prophets. Um, And then you have Jesus standing right in the middle middle, as a fulfillment of both the law and the prophets. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said this very early on in his ministry. He said this, "'Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets.'" I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, okay? He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, all the law and the prophets point to me, okay? In other words, Jesus is the personification of the law and the prophets. They all point to him, and this is why the Father is saying, listen to him. All the law and the prophets, everything points to this one man, Jesus, this God-man, amen? So, pretty intense. Now, what I want you to notice that on the Mount of Transfiguration, that Moses and Elijah also appeared in glorious splendor. Okay, uh, verse 30 says, the two men, Elijah, uh, Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Now, we could dive, there are layers to that too, we could dive deeper into that. 
Um, but the point I want you to see here is that Moses and Elijah carried a splendor in their heavenly glorified bodies, okay? Not to the extent that Jesus had. Um, it's obvious that G- the glory that Jesus was displaying was a brighter glory than the glory of Moses and Elijah. But I want you to notice that they were carrying a measure of glory. And here's what, what I want you to see. You and I also have an inner a glory within. There is an inward glory, but it's veiled. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. That glory is veiled within our soul, and our soul is wrapped, uh, or our body is wrapped around our souls. Here's the deal with Jesus. Jesus has always been God. He will always be God. But there became a point where Jesus took on humanity, and his heavenly glory was wrapped in an earthly tent, an earthly body, okay? Um, so just like, this is, the, this is the point I want you to see and what I'm trying to make today. Just like Elijah and Moses carried a glory within, we too carry a glory on the inside of us, okay? There is a, so, um, yeah, we carry glory on the inside of it. Jesus walked in this world as a man. His deity was wrapped in an earthly body to a lesser degree, but still very powerful, you and I have a measure of glory in the renewed, born-again spirit that's in our hearts, okay? Really, my goal of this message today is to get you to have a higher view of yourself. I think one of the most important things you can ever know about the Bible and Christianity is your identity in Christ. Knowing who you are, knowing what he has done for you, um, is one of the most important things you can ever learn. And, mo- and I will say this in all truth and honesty— I believe this, most Christians have no idea. They have no idea what Christ has done on the inside of them. I would say none of us fully know what Christ has done on the inside of us, okay? I wish I fully knew. I wish I could see it the way he sees it and the way it is. Um, But I want you to gain a higher view of what you carry on the inside of you, your new bone spirit. It's powerful. It's powerful, okay? If there are three things that if we saw different, it would transform our lives and the way we live. Three things. Number one, if we could see how glorious and amazing God is, we would live differently. If we could see how glorious and amazing God is, we'd live differently. Number two, if we could see how how much of a complete work he has done in our spirit and how much he loves us and how much he is absolutely dedicated and committed to you, you would live differently. And number three, if you could see how defeated that foe is that we call the devil, how defeated he is, we would live differently. We would live so much differently. Um, you know, I, I think, like Harmony just mentioned, like praying for Ukraine, I think we look at this situation like we're just victims of what's happening in the world around us. Like, no, we're not victims, victims of the world happening around us. We are partakers of the divine nature and we can bring influence, we can bring his kingdom to this world, amen? We're not just watching things unfold before us. Like, we get to engage, we get to partner with heaven, okay? So someday we will behold the glory of God fully. We get a glimpse of that here and, here and there in this life. We get a glimpse of that in worship. We get a glimpse of that in our quiet times. Um, someday we will see what we've been carrying around this whole time. I wonder how many Christians... They're going to get to heaven and be like, dang, there was this potential that God had for me, and I was, oh, if I had known I could have lived up here, what the heck was I doing? I think so many believers 
will live like that, or will we'll have that revelation. It's like, I have this potential in Christ I never knew I had. We'll get to see what we've been carrying around this whole time. Number three, we're going to see how puny and defeated the devil already is. Okay, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, it says this, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily in Christ, okay? But look at verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. All the fullness of the Godhead lives bodily form in Jesus, and you are complete in your union and fellowship with him. The Greek word for complete here, it means to fill to absolute capacity, to fill to the brim, to be plumb full. This is what Christ has done in our spirit, man. Um, I didn't have time to really uh, vet this out, but um, these Greek words, they look like the English word plethora, and I didn't have time to see if the word, the English word plethora actually has its root in these words. But that is essentially what he's done in our spirit. There is an overflow, a plethora. He, you're filled to the brim. It, you're complete in Christ. In John 17, uh, 20 and 22, uh, 20 through 22, Jesus, there's a prayer where Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for all believers. We're, we get a glimpse of how Jesus, who is our great intercessor, seated at the right hand of God. We get a glimpse of how this, how this God-man is praying for us even now. It says this, My prayer is not for them alone, so not, not just as disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's all of us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Watch this, verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. That is a staggering verse that you could, like, I read this, I'm like, this is amazing. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Jesus is saying, my followers, my believers, I've given them a glory that, Father, you gave me. Come on, guys, that's good stuff right there, Okay. How many Christians live with that realization? There's a glory on the inside of you. There's a glory that he has given us. Um, you know, when we, when we worship, we praise God, um, another way to say that is like, hey, give him glory. Give God glory. Well, let me ask you a question. How do you, how do you give glory if you don't have any? Right? How do you give glory if you don't have any to give? Um, we are able to give him glory because why? There's a measure of glory on the inside of us that he's given us to give back to him. Um, <clears throat> a, f- a few years ago, my daughter, um, my younger daughter, Evie, I don't know, she was maybe six years old or so, and I, had to, I went to Florida, and I, I had a, a funeral I had to go to in Florida. So my family didn't come with me. It was just, it was just me. But when I was there, I thought, um, you know, you get gifts for your family. So I went to a gift shop, and there was like this alligator head, like a taxidermied alligator head. I was like, she'll like this. You know, this is, this is a cool, and its mouth is open. And, you know, my other daughter, Trinity, over time, she like tried to get, get it to close its mouth, you know. Anyway, I come back. I give her this alligator head. She's like, this is a really cool gift. Well, <clears throat> about six months later, I, th- I think it's Christmas, and my daughter, Evie, she makes gifts, and she's a, she's a gift giver. And about six months later, I'm opening Christmas gifts for my family. I don't even think you knew that this was happening, but I open a gift, and it's the alligator head. 
And I'm like, she's like, oh, I gave that to you and you're giving that back to me, you know. <laughs> I'm like, that's nice, but if, <coughs> which is cute. But if you think about it, if you think about it, this is, isn't this exactly what it's like with God? What can you give to him that he hasn't already given you? People say, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my tithe. It's like, well, really, you're just returning the tithe. He gave you all of it. He's just saying, hey, return back to me the first 10%, right? You're not, you're not like, you know, giving God something that he didn't give you in the first place. We give him praise. We give him, there's nothing we can give God that he didn't give us first, okay? But just like when my daughter gave me that, it was like, you know, I put that in my garage, and I thank you. I, I hung it up, and it reminds me of her, you know. <laughs> this is the same way with God, okay? And there's nothing you can give him that he hasn't given you, but he's given you a measure of glory that you could give glory back to him, amen? That's what your life is supposed to look like, by the way, okay? Okay, many believers walk around, they don't understand what it is they have on the inside. Yesterday I was um, trying to finish up this message, which is a little late for me. I like to get my messages done by Fridays, earlier than that. But I was thinking, like, I need an illustration for this. And I was downstairs, and um, my daughter, Evie, was downstairs with, with her friend, Emily Albright, which the Albrights are over here. Um, and I go, do you guys have an example of someone or something that, that is walking around and does not know what it has or what it is on the inside? And so this illustration I'm about to give you came from, um, actually from Emily Albright, to be honest. So go ahead and roll that video. It's just you and me now. I knew it! I knew I wasn't the only one! Me too! Everyone falls out of the tree every now and then. They just don't admit it. Wait, what? Some of us have a tough time holding on to branches. I mean, it's not like we're bats or something. We don't have wings to keep us up. And, and you were in the tree because... Oh, I was looking for my brothers. They are always getting into trouble. Brothers? You mean there's more? Sure. Ooh. Ooh. There's lots of us. Where? Um, everywhere. Under rocks and holes in the ground. Usually we come out at night so birds don't carry us off. Huh? Help! 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 <laughs> Well, shave me down and call me a mole rat. You found another mammoth. Where? Wait a minute. I thought mammoths were extinct. What are you looking at me for? I don't know. Maybe because you're a mammoth? Me? Don't be ridiculous. I'm not a mammoth. I'm a possum. Right. Good one. I'm a newt. This is my friend the badger. And my other friend the platypus. Why do I got to be the platypus? Make him the platypus. This guy give you trouble, sis? Sis! That's right. These are my brothers. Possum, possum, possum. I don't think her tree goes all the way to the top branch. 
All right. How many Christians are identifying as possums when you're actually a mammoth on the inside? Amen. One of the biggest revelations you could have is we want a revelation of who he is, but we need a revelation of who we are on the inside. What's on the inside of you? What are you carrying around? This week I talked about the fullness of the measure of Christ that's within you. Next week I'm going to come back and I want to talk about what it looks like to manifest that glory to the world around us. And we're really going to hone in on what the resurrected life looks like. You've been given this internal glory. The picture of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration is a picture, a type of what it is on the inside of you. This dazzling, bright, shining thing that's on the inside of you. There's a measure of glory God has put into your hearts. And so many of us are selling ourselves short and living beneath what God has called us to. What are you doing with it? You've been given this on the inside. What are you doing with it? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to build on this next week. So I'm going to conclude with that. So let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for the work on the inside of us, Lord. I, I pray you would help us to understand and learn our identity in Christ, that we are mammoths on the inside. And God, it is this very, this very thing that you called to change and to transform and to bring um, hope into this world, Lord God. So we ask that every believer would feel this on the inside. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Praise God. Well, listen, before we uh, close the service here, I want to just pause and take a moment. I have a real burden on my, of, on my heart to talk to people who have never invited Jesus into their life. Or maybe you have, you've invited Jesus into your life, but for whatever reason you've gone astray. I want to, uh, it wouldn't be good for us to leave this place having not given an opportunity for people to come to know the Lord. I want to talk to you for a minute about um, how to get right with the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you know there's something between you and God. You know you're not right in your heart with God. I want to talk to you about how to get right with Jesus. Most of the world, much of the world has this idea that if I clean myself up, if I try hard, if I can do good deeds, if I can work a little harder, maybe I can work my way into right standing or right relationship with Jesus. This thing I was talking about, about having a newborn spirit on the inside, it all begins when you bow your knee and, and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Okay? The problem of sin and separation between us and God cannot be fixed from your good deeds, your good merits, you're trying to clean yourself up. Father God in heaven knew this, and he profusely loves you. He profusely loves humanity, and he wasn't content to leave you and me in that situation separated from him. This is why he sent Jesus to this world. Jesus came, and he lived a life that you couldn't live, and he died the death that actually you and I deserve to die, the death on the cross. Jesus took your sin, my sin, and the sins of the world, and he paid for it with his own blood on the cross. And when we place our faith and trust in Christ, he's able to give us the gift that we can never earn, the gift we can never deserve. It is the gift of salvation, the gift of a restored relationship with the Father. And then our life begins to change because there's a work on the inside begins to manifest outside. If that makes sense to you, and you're here today, and you need to get right with Jesus, and I want to just say, I, heaven is a reality. Eternity is a reality. And I also want to say, hell is a reality. Separation from God forever is a reality. God has given me such a burden about this today. And if you're here and you don't know 
that you're right with God and that you're going to heaven to be with him forever, I want to pray for you. I'd be honored to pray for you. Um, right where everyone's at, I don't, um, I don't need any to call anyone forward, but I do want to know who I'm praying for this morning. If you would be so bold, how many here would say, yeah, you know what? I want to leave this place knowing I've begun a relationship with Jesus, knowing I'm right in my heart with God. How many here would say, that's me? Yeah, I need to do that today. Would you just, would you just shoot your hand up right where you're at and just identify that that's you? How many would say that's me? Looking for your hand. I'm looking for it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How many more? Awesome. Awesome. And you're watching online. This is for you as well. Okay, you can put those hands down. I saw um, at, least, at least one or two hands. Um, but I want to pray for you. And I'd like everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Mean this prayer with all of your heart. It's not in the eloquent, magical words I'm about to say, but it is the cry of the heart that God sees, and this is a holy moment. This is a holy moment for some people here. So everyone repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this world. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. That I can be restored with you. Today, I place my faith and trust in you. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Lord, forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Be my God. And from this day forward, help me to follow you. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, y'all.